0: guys you're listening to mama knows podcast with your host nina Cavajola, aka balconina join in weekly as she walks alongside you to navigate topics around motherhood mental health self-love and relationships the good bad and funny
1: I know a lot of people are waiting for this episode and I was so excited for this interview because I needed it more than anything in my life. As you guys know, I have an almost two-year-old, actually I think she might be two by the time this airs, (laughs) and a four and a half-year-old and my four and a half-year-old has just been in my eyes a bully towards my two-year-old and I have been a bully towards him It is extremely difficult for me to admit that, but I've just been the worst and I feel guilty and shame. And I know he feels guilt and shame too. Um, They've just been fighting nonstop. And honestly, it's like unprovoked too. Like my four and a half year old will just hit his two year old sister, across the head, For no reason. She'll just be standing there. So he's really struggling with something. And I'm excited for you to hear this interview with Michelle Kenny. She is a parenting coach and has been doing this for 12 plus years, has two girls and went through the same exact thing. So let's dive in. Hi, Michelle. I'm so happy to talk to you. You are the person that we all want to hear from. The other day I posted on Instagram that I had I had had it. With motherhood and sibling rivalry, like my kids are just at each other, and I lost it. I was being a big bully to my four and a half year old, and and then I cried for two days afterwards because I was like, I'm making him a bully because I'm a bully, and so uh, I posted about that on social media, and my followers were like, me too. I mean, I kid you not, I got at least over a thousand messages from moms saying like, same, I relate. Please help if you find anything. And I said, well talking to Michelle. So let's do it. And Oh, good. I'm so glad. Well, I'm glad to be here, Nina. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I'm so excited to talk to you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure. I'm a mom of two. I have a 17-year-old and 14-year-old daughters. I'm a former teacher, high school counselor. Um, I spent 13 years in public education, and then I became a stay-at-home mom. And when I became a stay-at-home mom, I realized that I was a much better teacher than I was a mom. And I did all the things that I told myself I wouldn't like yelling and threatening and just being like you, like we were talking about a bully. Um, I ended up bullying my older daughter because I just didn't know what else to do. And I felt at a loss. A lot of it was around sibling rivalry, to be honest. That was the the straw that broke the camel's back. Esme and Pia, my daughters were swimming in our pool. And Esme was so upset with her sister that she pulled her under the water. And I dove in and saved them. Well, saved them screaming and yelling at everybody. And, And at that moment, I was like, something has to change. I have to do start doing something differently. And I found Connective Parenting and I hired this coach and I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. And it's been the most incredible journey. I've realized so many things about myself that I needed to change and the ways in which I could have a better relationship with my daughters. And that's where Peace and Parenting came out of. And I've been coaching and helping people ever since move away from this idea of traditional parenting, using punishments and threats and yelling and into this idea of connection. And um, it's the most rewarding work. And I I'm so grateful I found it.
1: Yeah, and I'm just so glad you are doing the work. And that's exactly how I found you. I literally searched the hashtag sibling rivalry or sibling or sibling aggression or something and I found you have multiple posts around that and I listen to your episodes and everything and and I'm gonna be honest like no matter how many times I listen and read all that stuff like yeah. I still get in those ruts and I'm like oh I'm failing no so, I am <laughs>
0: you're not failing it's uh, just we don't know how to do it because no one showed us
1: yeah exactly so yeah. let's jump right in um one of the questions that myself and a lot of my listeners and moms out there want to know because we feel shame around it. We feel shame when yeah. our children are acting like crazies, like mm-hmm. putting like my son put my daughter under the water in the bathtub the other night. Like we feel like, oh my God, is he going to be a serial killer? So yeah. is this normal? Is this common? Like, are siblings supposed to be arguing and fighting and bickering with each other?
0: I mean, supposed to be, I don't know if supposed to be, but they do. Even in the most connected, like calm homes, siblings still have a hard time with one another. And I think what happens is, is that our our reptilian brain, the child's reptilian brain says to them, I need this person for care. I need them for shelter. I need them for love. I need them for food. And I need to be connected to this person because if I don't, I won't survive. That's what they're reptilian brain tells them. Hmm. When another kid comes into the picture and starts to get in between that relationship of mother and son or um, father and son or father and daughter, or mother and daughter, The all the child who, Yeah. All the people, the, per, the child that, you know, the first child feels threatened. Like, am I going to get my needs met? Or is this person going to be the new focus of my big people? And am I going to be left in the dust? Mm -hmm. And when we say things like, oh, I can't do it because I've got to feed the baby or, oh, you know what? Don't wake up the baby. They're sleeping. Be careful. And we put so much emphasis on the new baby. It alienates our older child and we don't even know that we're doing it. And so then this resentment starts to build. And then as they're going to hug the baby, they're squeezing them just a little too tight because they're a little resentful or they're yelling because the baby is sleeping on purpose because they're feeling like this person is, I want them out of my space. Mm -hmm. So it starts really young. And then if we don't, if we don't intervene correctly, if we keep correcting the child, don't hurt your brother or sister, don't yell they're, they're sleeping, you know, if you keep correcting the older child, usually, but this can go either way. If you keep correcting the aggressor, it perpetuates the sibling rivalry. And mm-hmm. this is where we get into this big, then you know, two, three, four years later, we've got a kid who's really upset with her brother and sister, and it just keeps getting worse.
1: Mm-hmm. So I have a really big question around that, but I want to save it until later. So I'm gonna just kind of work through like work through the list here. So You kind of explained what causes sibling rivalry. What if you didn't do that? What if you didn't say, Oh, I got to put the baby down? Because I didn't. Like, I read, I did my homework with my daughter. When she was born, I the one thing the number one thing I read was said that you should never blame the baby or the other sibling for anything. So I did I did that. I would say, "Oh, yes, I'll play with you. Give me 10 minutes." And it was like cuz I had to feed the baby. I never once said your sister, your sister, your sister. I mean, I'm sure I did slip up here and there, but that yes. wasn't like a constant. So what if you are there other reasons? Similar? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think correction too. If you're correcting the older child when they're misbehaving with the other, with their brother or sister, correction can cause it. So if you say, "Don't t- don't hit," you can't do that. Look at your brother. Look what you did to him. Mm-hmm. If you intervene is. with shame, if you intervene with correction, it's it's it creates. More uh, depends on the the child. Some children will comply Mm -hmm. and then become people pleasers and then want everyone to be okay. And other kids will be aggressive and take it out on their brother and sister. Mm -hmm. So we never want to intervene with correction.
1: So when do you? I know this is a two parter because sometimes you don't. I've read that sometimes you don't want to intervene. Sometimes you want to let them like figure it out if they're like verbally trying to figure something out. When do you intervene? And then, and then, when do you let them figure it out?
0: I always intervene because I feel like, to some degree. But my intervention—I mean, I think why people are saying that is because they don't want you to come in and overcorrect. But my interventions, with the ones that, that I'm going to suggest for you guys, is are not um, corrective, and so our interventions are connective, and so they can they always create a better environment. So I say always intervene because if. There are times when they can work it out, but I think they're very few and far between, especially with little kids. And it gets gets escalated pretty quickly. And if you don't intervene, oftentimes it goes to physical aggression and then it's really hard to deescalate. So that's why I, I tell parents just get in right away. Right when you hear something happening, intervene. But don't intervene with a, you stop, don't do this. You have to be kind. That's not the kind of intervention that I would recommend. I think there's a better way to intervene. So, and I say, never let it fester.
1: Mm-hmm. So I feel like I would literally be glued to the playroom floor if that was the case. So what do you recommend for a parent like me with a almost two-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old and it's literally constant. Like, like my four and a half year old gets in the zone. And if my two year old is even in his way, like doesn't do anything to him, just even is standing in his way. I feel like I would constantly be sitting on the floor if I had to intervene every single time. So what do I do? I mean, I I can't, can't, you know, I can't separate them either because the play area is in one area. So two things. So first of all, we can't
0: zoom just into sibling rivalry. We have to zoom out into parenting in general first, because we need to make sure that the connective part of parenting is flowing in your house. And if, if there's sibling rivalry, there's always places to increase connection. So we want to make sure that there's no punishments, no threats, no bribes, no yelling, no consequences, because those things can really decrease connection. So we try to get rid of those things so that, that, our whole feeling and the ethos in our house feels better. Because the thing is, is that if each of, if your oldest, who sounds like he's kind of the instigator at this moment, Mm -hmm. if he feels better in general about his sibling, about the relationships he has with his mom and dad, he will do better with his sibling. So what happens is, is when a child's disconnected, their prefrontal cortex, their reasoning center of their brain is offline. So when your child hits or kicks or pushes their brother or sister, it means that they're not connected to their reasoning center. That The prefrontal is where all the logic lies, all the decision-making, impulse control. And when that brain is offline, it means our kids running in their limbic system. It means they're running in their emotional core. Mm-hmm. And so we are in connected parenting. We're trying to get them back online. We're trying to get their reasoning center working again. And that's why the connection piece is so inter- important. And that's why the intervention is so important is to get that brain working again. So we don't have to think about it just in sibling rivalry. We need to think about how am I getting that brain working? all the time in my house so I can get more cooperation, so I can have kids who are happier, who like their brother and sister better. It's more the health of the child, emotional health of the child. We want that to be increased. If that is increased, then sibling rivalry decreases. So it isn't so much about what do I do in the moment? Sure, you're going to have to put the fire out but it's what do I do for the emotional health and connection of my child in every little moment during the day. Mm -hmm. So that means, do you have special time every single day with each of your children for 20 minutes with each of their parents? Are you coming with empathy to all of their big feelings? Are you using play as a tool to to navigate sticky situations? And are you setting boundaries with empathy as opposed to setting boundaries with consequences, bribes and threats and yelling? If you're doing those things all day and you're weaving them in, you won't have as much sibling rivalry, Mm -hmm. but you are going to have some. And so you're going to have to intervene where you have to intervene. And while you're getting these connection pieces going, you might have to either sit on the floor and intervene every time, or you don't leave them alone too much you try to not have that be part of what you're doing right now while you're working on the connective pieces but you know then again it it is it is something that's going to happen regardless of of anything else sibling rivalry is going to happen
1: mm-hmm. yeah and that was a really hot topic around this con- around this Specific scenario with connection. That was a hot topic in my DMs on Instagram. A lot of moms, including myself, I even said this to my therapist the other day. We are giving attention, connection. I'm I'm like the biggest fan of connection. I know, I know how important it is. Obviously, I'm human. Some days, I even I said this to my therapist. Some days I don't want to connect with anyone. Just leave me alone, like get away from me. And I'm human and I know that. And but I feel like generally I give my son, my four and a half year old, really good connection. Like, I there are days that I don't, um, but I still feel like he's seeking connection. Like, where am I going wrong there? Do you have any like specific type of connection we can do? I know, like, hugs and
0: no, books not and- hugs and not reading books. That's not that is connective and it's great. Connection is not punishing, first of all, and not correcting. So that would be the number one thing. If you're using any punishments or threats or consequences or any of that stuff, that they're the number one eroder of connection. They erode what you're doing. So if you're spending all this great time, but then these other things are happening, they will erode the connection. Okay. So that's the number one thing that I think people... like. People will be like, I'm super connective but i take the ipad away and i threaten to not go to the park and i you know tell tell them a hundred times not to touch their brother or sister and so then it's like okay but that's not helping you that's that's not helping your cause here
1: sure
0: so that piece would be one the other big piece is allowing big tantrums to happen and sitting through them with your with your especially little ones sitting through them with your child the entire way through that's a huge connective property that happens in parenting with kids that i think sometimes we don't we don't do or we try to shut the the tantrum down or we're scared of the feelings or it's too much for us and so that can be a place where we can really add in deep wells of connection is using empathy during tantrums
1: mm-hmm. yeah that- so i don't
0: know if that's happening um and then the setting limits piece it's setting limits but then having empathy afterwards too so when we say connection, I know everyone's like, well, I cuddle with my kids and I read books and I and that is all amazing. And that definitely is connection. But I think of it more in a, like, a deeper emotional level.
1: Yeah, that actually, that really makes sense. And I, I I never thought about it like that. I always think like, okay, I'm connecting with him. I'm having one-on-one, I'm doing the play, I'm doing this. But yes, I, I do tend although I do all the things I'm there for him and his big emotions I name his emotions I do all those things I do tend to be a bully toward him when he's being aggressive and violent and yeah, yeah. so that's let me help like you with that Self, <laughs> let me help piece. you with yeah. yeah let me help you with that piece that
0: piece is huge I think for people to change it's hard to change but when you do it's like a light bulb goes off I think for me it did When I started coming to my daughter, who was also like out of control after her sister, when I started to come to her with connection in those very particular moments when she was having a hard time, it changed everything for us. So if your son comes to his baby sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's going to be too. Okay. Comes to his sister and he hits her or he's unkind to her. This is going to sound ridiculous. And you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm not. You're going to say little boy's Who touched? Who hit their sister? Are going to get five hundred kisses, and you connect with him, and you physically get in the way so that you're creating a physical boundary, so that he cannot touch his sister any longer. And you are connecting with him, and you're continuing to connect with him for five or ten minutes, whatever it takes to get his prefrontal back online, Mm -hmm. so that when he does engage with his sister next time, he's doing better.
1: Mm -hmm. So I, I. Sorry to interrupt here, but I did try that because I heard that on your podcast. I have a few questions around that. What if you are so mad that that just happened and you don't feel he deserves... And I know this sounds crazy, right? Because obviously he's four. He deserves my love. But you don't feel he deserves to be hugged and loved when he just violently attacked his sibling unprovoked and... Who do you tend to first? Like, do you go give him 500 kisses or what do you do with the crying kid who now has a goose egg on her head? That's the one question, one question. The second Okay, let's question, stop there. So okay. let's
0: do that one. <laughs> let's do that one. And that's a good one. And a lot of people ask that. Okay, the most important thing in this entire scenario is to get your son regulated. Why? Because if you don't, you're not protecting your daughter if you continue to reprimand him, or if you continue to correct him, or if you are upset with him, you're not doing the service to your daughter because you're continuing to exacerbate the sibling rivalry. And that's not safe. Mm-hmm. So you owe it to your daughter to come to your son. You can you can say, oh, honey, are you okay? Grab her hand, say, you're okay. But then you have to connect with your son because that's protecting your daughter in the long run. And it's too short-sighted just to think of like who's crying. Yeah, she's crying. She's going to be okay, but she's going to be even better if she has a brother who doesn't go after her.
1: Mm-hmm. What was the other part of that question? Um, who do I tend to first? And then I feel like when... Oh, that you too just...
0: upset. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And am I showing him like, Oh, every time you do this, you get a 500 kisses. So he's going to keep doing it.
0: (laughs) He's offline, right? We're trying to get him online. And I think that's like an old um, conventional way of thinking is that we're reinforcing bad behavior, which just, it isn't the case. I've never seen it backfire. I've seen it backfire where the kid's like, I don't want kisses. Don't kiss me, Baba, And then you're like, Okay, go straight to the tantrum, go to the empathy. And then that becomes the connective property. But... The other piece of it is, is that the sibling relationship is long and involved, right? And what we see in a snapshot, like you saw him hit her, that's only a small piece of their relationship. What did she do to provoke him? I don't know. What did she do yesterday? Or how has he felt about her? Because she's maybe being the protected one. And are we creating a victim villain dyad here? Because we're constantly protecting her and going after him. And now he's always the victim and she's... oh, al- I mean, he's always the villain and she's always the victim. And are we cementing that? And is that why he's hitting her? So there's some... There are some reasons he's not a bad kid. He's just doing it because he's fearful and frustrated. And so if we can reframe that for ourselves, then we don't get so angry. He's not doing it because he's vicious. He's doing it because he's having a really hard time with his sister. And this idea of him being the villain all the time is sitting hard on his psyche. Mm -hmm.
1: And... I know we're talking about two and four year old here. Uh, That's all I've experienced, but a lot of my moms have messaged saying their preteens, young teens, are also doing this, and it can be either the older or the younger sibling. How would you handling it handle it in that situation? Because don't you think? Yes, I know that kids don't have a developed prefrontal cortex until like their mid twenties. However, don't you think by like age twelve they should know a little bit better?
0: No, they, well, do you yell and scream sometimes? Oh, yeah. Do you say mean things to your partner?
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Don't you know better?
1: Mm, I should. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We all should. Nobody does. Nobody knows better because we're all human and we take out our aggressions on the people that are closest to us, unfortunately. Mm. So no 12 year olds are so immature. Those poor sweet babies. They don't even know what they're doing and we have to see them that way. And you have to intervene in the same way. I intervene in the same way with my daughters. I come right in and say, what? This is my intervention. Hey mm-hmm. guys, what's happening? What's going on here? Everybody, what's happening? Stop. What's happening? Ask me, what happened? She's so mean. She took my lipstick. Oh my God. I can't believe it. Oh, she took your lipstick. Okay. This is hard. I'm really sorry. Empathy. Why? Get the prefrontal online. Empathy creates... Connection. I'm empathizing with her. I'm listening. I'm not taking sides. I don't even care who stole the lipstick. I don't care about the lipstick. I don't even care about this fight. All I care about is empathizing with this child to make her feel better. Hey, Pia, what happened? I took her lipstick because she's always taking mine and she left it in the blah, blah, blah. Oh, she did. Okay. Empathy. People are back online now. Okay, guys. What can we do here? Because I have older kids. What do we do here? Tell me, what's the solution? Pia, what's the solution? Let me help you out. Let me help you get there. Let me be your coach. I never pick a side. I never tell anybody they're wrong. I don't even care who's wrong because likely it doesn't really matter. What matters is, can we get everyone feeling better and thinking better?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing is it's really just a mindset shift in your own head as the mom. Like, my kid is not evil. My kid just needs help and I, and I need to help. them. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So back to the, my two littles. So I, I offer 500 kisses and then what do I do? When do I give the, when do I take the opportunity to educate and teach regulation and etc. Like I want him, I want to have a conversation with him at some point to say like, Hey, when you're angry, I don't want you to hit your sister. What can you do? Is that appropriate? Is it appropriate for me to want to have that conversation with him?
0: I mean, we can have whatever conversations we want with our kids. Right. I think in my opinion, um, 80% science, social t- scientists tell us that 80% of what children learn is what's modeled to them. So telling him what can you do and asking him to tell you what he can do and, oh, I can breathe and, oh, I can name my emotions, both of which I don't think are that helpful. Um, Just because they don't do anything, He sure, he can reiterate and tell you that. Can he access that at four years old in the moment? Probably not. I have a hard time accessing that in the moment. When I'm mad, I'm going for it. And I am not probably going to remember to breathe often. And I think to expect it of a four-year-old is a pretty big ask. I also believe that, and what what scientists tell us too, is that empathy, they're starting to believe that babies are born with empathy and that we're born with internal remorse and that we're born with shame and that we're born with guilt. And that by two, we understand the basic idea of morality. We know we're not supposed to hit our sister at four years old for 100% sure your son knows he's not supposed to hit his sister. So it isn't that he doesn't know what to do or he doesn't know how to behave. It's that he can't access it in those moments because his thinking brain is gone. So sure, you can tell him, but you're not telling him anything he doesn't already know. You're just bringing it up again, which can, depending on the child, if he's super sensitive, he might be super sensitive and strong-willed kind of sounds like it. Mm -hmm. If he is, then that's just bringing up more shame for him. Mm -hmm. He already has internal shame. He doesn't want to hurt his baby sister. Mm -hmm. He loves her. He's just doing it because he's dysregulated. So bringing it up again, I don't believe is necessary unless it's something really egregious. I think we let it go. Because he knows and we want him to get to his internal shame. And then again, when you're having the conversation later, does it cause him to be to believe that you're on her side? Does it cause him to have some resentment later and say, oh, she's always on her side. Of course, she had to bring it up again. And does he go to more internal shame? And does he go to this place of anger toward the both of you? As opposed to if you just let it be, will he sink into his own mistake? and internalize it? And will that become his learning ground?
1: Mm -hmm. That was so powerful. Um, (laughs) I almost started crying there for a (laughs) second. I had to hold it together. But okay, so what I'm hearing there is it's okay to just let it go. And honestly, that's hard. I feel like I need to teach him a lesson and not to like scold him or shame him, but just to like teach him. And, And I think a lot of that stems from me wanting to wanting him to be just a good, respectful, regulated kid. Um, And what I'm hearing you say is just let it go.
0: He is a good, respectful kid is what I'm saying. All kids are good kids and that you don't need to hit them over the head with it. I think it also goes back to how we were raised, right? You know, my parents, like you couldn't, I mean, there was no messing up. You had mm-hmm. to be respectful. You answered the door like, Kenny's residence, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. you were like a robot. And so we have that in our ethos, right? That that's what a respectful kid is. And I think also when we see our child hit our their, their sibling, we think, oh my gosh, I did something wrong. It's my fault. I'm a bad mom. I have a bad kid. This is all my fault. And we internalize that because society has said, oh, you have a kid. He's acting out in public. What did you do? You better get a hold on that kid. This is your fault, mom. This is your fault, dad. And that we internalize all that because society has shamed us so much around that. And that he's this is normal behavior that nobody should worry about. I mean, worry about, yes, but that nobody should judge. Right? Yeah. No one else should be judging this is a bad kid because he had you know, a hard time with his brother or sister. That's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah. So actually, as you're talking through all of that, one of my questions, number six, I don't know if you see it on your end there. You answered it for me, but I do want to say it out loud because I yeah. want my listeners to hear. My question is exactly what you said. The physical child, usually my oldest, shuts down and doesn't want to acknowledge what he did. And this typically happens when I try to talk about the scenario and tell him that he shouldn't do this and he should do this instead. And now that after what you've explained, that basically it's telling me he's feeling shame and guilt and he's embarrassed and he doesn't want to look at me. He doesn't want to talk about it. Um. So he's already, he already has those feelings and I'm just making him feel worse essentially.
0: You're not doing it on purpose. Nina, no, though. you're no. doing it because you want him to be like you said, a good kid. And we all yeah. do that. Right. I would took Esme to town. I was like, you're disrespectful. You have to be kind to yours. I mean, because I thought that would work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it shaming just and guilting and being a bully just doesn't work. <laughs> um, I do want to. You, you've you been there, right? You've been where I am. And I do yep. want to just make sure everyone here listening knows that we have bad days as moms and we can be bullies. We can all be bullies, but it's okay to just do better the next time, right? Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, I post about it all the time. Like I posted a couple of weeks ago, I yelled at my daughter. I yelled at her because I was totally dysregulated. It was completely my fault and I shouldn't have been yelling at her. And it was very shameful. But there's no way you can parent and not make mistakes. That's just not going to happen. And that's okay. As long as our mistakes though, now these days are so much more forgivable than the ones of our parents because we apologize, because we take responsibility. We say, I said, Esme, this is not your fault. I am totally at fault here. I take full responsibility for what happened and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And my parents never did that. And so no. it becomes a place mm-hmm. where we rupture and repair. We teach so many good things about apology and we teach about amends and we teach that we're human and that we accept our own mistakes. And then, you know, with this whole sibling thing, if you don't take sides and you don't shame and reprimand, now you're telling them it's okay to make a mistake in your sibling relationship too. I will not chastise you for that. And you will not chastise me for mine.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to back up because I thought of one last question around the sibling, older sibling hitting the younger. What do you now say and do for the youngest? Because they've just been violently hit and that sucks. And now they're like, wait, mom's giving him 500 kisses and he just beat me over the head. I
0: feel like, well, first of all, you're showing your younger one, two things. You're showing your younger one you can make mistakes and mom's still going to love you. She's not going to shame you. She's not going to embarrass you. That child who's watching is gleaning a lot of things. And they know now I can make my mistakes and I'm not going to be chastised for it either. And all mistakes are acceptable in our house. So you're teaching them that. You need to come to them and hug them and kiss them and make sure they're okay. 100%. You're not going to just ignore them completely. I mean, they're there. Likely you're all, if you're little kids, you're all just sitting there on the, the, the carpet. You can have both of them in your arms. You're not just ignoring them. But I think more importantly, and what I see is that if this becomes the norm, like a lot of times, if you keep punishing or correcting or whatever during sibling relationships, as they get older... And you then say, well, I'm not going to. They'll be like, well, aren't you going to punish her? Well, aren't you going to take her thing away? They expect you to be the judge and jury. They expect you to come to their aid. You're also telling her like, I'm not going to put you in the victim position. I'm not going to make you the victim in our house. Because there are no victims and villains here. We're just people trying to get along. So when you shame and embarrass and correct, then you're also putting your daughter in the victim
1: situation. And then this paradigm, you're not. Mm. That's a good way to think about that. All right. So you've given us so much information on how to help a sibling relationship. Are there any other random tips that you can think of that can that we can do as moms daily to nurture a sibling relationship. What you can do,
0: which is so fun, I think, is you do sibling special time. Mm -hmm. So you would say to your son, okay, we're going to do everything that your sister wants to do for 15 minutes. She's in charge. We're going to just follow her lead and she's in charge. And then you'd switch and do it for your son for 15 minutes. And then pretty soon you can let them do it by themselves. And then they have this sibling. It's like a, just a, a good connective piece of their sibling relationship and i find that kids love doing that and they love being in mm. charge and then they they really like the reciprocal nature of it
1: would you do that with teens too
0: yeah i mean you can't really make them with yeah. with little kids you can tell them and make them but with older kids it's a little bit harder but i have to say my girls get along pretty well now after doing this for 12 years yeah yeah they're pretty good i mean we have our moments don't get me wrong sure. but
1: yeah. they're pretty good They are not bad at all. Okay. So sibling time, connection, empathy, all the things. And it's okay that you have bad days. I just want to make sure that everyone hears that because it sounds, it all sounds so easy and simple and beautiful, but in the moment, sometimes it can be so difficult.
0: It is. I think we sometimes make it harder on ourselves. Because we get into this place where we get so ignited. You know, like, oh my God, I have to make it better. I have to fix it. I have to do, I have to do. Just lean into it. It's okay Mm -hmm. that they're fighting. You can just come in with as much calm as you can Mm -hmm. and intervene with as much connection as you can. And it's also, it feels easier to me. I think Mm -hmm. when I can just let go of trying to figure out who's the, who's wrong, who's right. What do I do? What do I say? Because you really don't have to do much. You can do a lot less this way.
1: Yeah. Michelle, thank you so much for all of You're this. It, it it's it was super helpful. I was super skeptical because I was like, well, I tried the hug thing. It didn't work. <laughs> tried to People say him. that. <laughs> you know
0: what I say too? What maybe some of your listeners do. I have a sibling rivalry course. Uh-huh. It's $39. You can find it on my website, but it goes through all of this stuff. And it has parents asking questions like you asked. Mm-hmm. Lots of questions. And I just fire back answers and we get into a deep discussion. And so that might be a good resource for people.
1: I love that. I'll make sure to link that below too. So uh, with that, will you tell us all where we can find you?
0: Yes. Peace and Parenting on Instagram, Peace and Parenting on Facebook. And I have the Peace and Parenting podcast, um, which is a great resource. And I have a book coming out called Unpunished. And so you can... It's already on Amazon. um, So you can get it there or you can get it through my website too.
1: Congratulations! That's huge. I'm excited thank thank to check it know. out. All right, Michelle, thank you so much. Appreciate it. I hope you took something good out of that because I sure did. And I did not hold back with my hard questions. You guys know I never do. And as always, if you loved this interview, if you loved this episode, please leave a review. Give me a follow on all socials. And... Let's talk next time.